don't sabotage yourself or refuse opportunities that are coming your way just because you think it's not exactly aligned with your vision. When you get a client that is not your dream client, you can use this opportunity to innovate. So if it's the first time that you want to do value-based pricing, for example, and you don't really want to get that project and experiment because only, only good things can come out of it. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Webflail. I'm your host Jack, your failure connoisseur, and today my guest is Lucy Lulia. I met Lucy in an online coaching course a few years ago, and then for the first time in real life in Bordeaux a few months ago. She's the founder of Positive Impact Studio, which works with mission-driven startups from early stages to more established. With an honourable mention for that website, she's grown in design and has worked with all sorts of mission-driven startups. Lucy is an insanely passionate person about what she does, and what I love about her is that she's keen to build an agency while also living and working abroad, like living in Central America for a year. Lucy goes the extra mile for clients. She is one of the hardest working people I know, and I'm excited to have an episode with her today. The failures we talk about are failing to help yourself before you can help other people, failing to make good decisions at the right time, and specializing too early. So embrace and learn from failure in episode 54 of Webflail with Lucy Lilliard. Lucy, welcome to Webflail. Thank you so much. That's a great intro. Thank you, Jack. Uh, I'm really glad that you enjoyed that. So, Positive Impact Studio, such a cool website. So if anyone hasn't checked that out already, go check that out. But that was when we first worked together, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You helped me build a website. That's why it's so cool. Oh, shut up. I was terrible at Webflow. But that was a really fun project. And for anyone that's listening, Lucy actually, she really helped me at a tough time because I was, I remember I was struggling to get clients at that point. And you were like, Jack, come work with me. And so thank you. I should start the episode with that. Uh, thank you for helping me out also. It's awesome. And um, it's really cool to see the website still there. And actually, crazy fact for you, Lucy. My brother, he's setting up a podcast and he was looking at different websites online and stuff. And randomly, he didn't know that we'd worked on this together. He sent me a screenshot of your website as inspiration for his website. And I was like, you oh, that's are so great joking. To know. So isn't that crazy? Yeah, great, great minds um, always meet, don't they? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> hey, that's wild because he wanted kind of spacey theme for his uh, podcast. But anyway, let's get into you. So your design aesthetic. When I look at stuff through your portfolio, I'm like, that's so Lucy. And that's not just because it's on your portfolio, obviously, but you have a very particular aesthetic, I think. Can you tell us a little bit about how you developed that design eye? So I guess my design eye was developed through everything, you know, through everything I do and I watch since I'm, I'm a kid. I've always drawn a lot, like really, really a lot. I didn't always want to like work in design or be an artist, but I've, I've always, always done practiced art since I was little before I could write my name I was drawing princesses with dresses and shit 
And for anyone who doesn't know, I don't actually have a design degree. I have an illustration degree because I just wanted to, I didn't want to do design when I was a student. I thought it was boring. I just wanted to do like crazy art, painting, drawing and splashing paints on walls and stuff like that. But I found it hard to make money out of splashing paint on the wall. So when I graduated, I, I had the luck that one of my teachers saw that I had a good eye for design. She made me do a internship at a publishing house. And this is how I started to do graphic design. And then one thing after another, I did product design and work with tech and stuff like that. So my design eye is fed by all the art stuff that I used to do when I was a student and all the things that inspired me when back then. And then after I kind of like little by little started to specialize in, specialize in tech, I guess more like tech aesthetics and, and trends in that world started to mix, mix match with some other grungy stuff that I used to like before. And then this, I guess, is how the unique style. <laughs> the Lucy style. Yeah. Yeah, whatever that is. It's, this is how it came to be, I guess. Yeah. No, it's really cool. I think everyone's got, everyone's coming to Webflow from all these different experiences. And there's not that many people I know in the Webflow space that have come from like an artistic background in the same way that, you know, I know plenty of people that were like specifically graphic designers or, you know, coming from design, but not necessarily from from an art background so that's really really interesting and then where does the the mission driven aspect to positive impact come in tell us about that so i think i've always been really concerned about what i was doing and how it was affecting things and people around me i also come from a family of doctors so i've observed a lot of people in my family doing good things for others and being very dedicated to their jobs and finding a lot of purpose in, in healing other people and, and doing good around themselves, etc. So I guess I maybe also grew up with a, a thing of like, I don't want to be like them too much because they are like this or like that, that I don't like. But I also kind of want to find purpose in what I do and want to find a way to help others. That's after I kind of managed to cure myself uh, from my teenager grungy <laughs> tendencies after after our school and then probably like a lot of people around COVID this is when I had finally a lot of time to sit down on my ass and think about what I'm going to do with my life I was very at the time I was working for an agency in Canada and I was doing a lot of UX design product design for like e-commerce websites and fashion stuff and I was like this is this is so detrimental that like everything I do is basically I'm an advocate for making whoever manages this website more money so that people who who just fall onto this website feel compelled to buy more stuff that is destroying the planet and all this stuff so, so it i knew i was making i knew this was making me feel terrible and and i needed to change it but i had no idea what to do so i decided okay if i can't if i can't go back to where I come from, very agricultural region of France, to grow carrots. I obviously can't do that. So if I can't, then I have to find a way to make my work more more purposeful and make it count in a different way. So I thought, okay, maybe I can build, build a studio, a design studio that is going to help people who want to make a change in this world, who have ideas to improve the world. I'm going to hate 
that I'm going to help these people. I'm going to hate um, them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to help these people communicate better about what they do, express themselves better on the web, connect better with their audiences, and obviously create better products that help their users achieve their goals, etc. Ah, oh, I'm pumped. Yes. So what you're saying is that you wanted to align your thoughts with your actions. And I think that is the biggest thing that I've noticed with some of the most successful web flowers is that they don't just, you know, talk the talk. They walk the walk. You know, if they really feel passionately about helping a particular group of people, they're going to go the extra mile to help that particular group of people. And as a result, they're going to become known for that thing because they're good at it, because they're passionate about it, and that passion is infectious, and then, you know, things start to happen. And I think that's so important. So thank you, Lucy, for doing what you do. It's great to hear. And can I ask you a little bit about Canada there? You're in France now. You've lived in El Salvador, I believe. You're doing mission-driven startups while also living abroad. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that aspect of, of your life works? Yeah, I've always loved to to travel. I'm extremely, extremely privileged that I had to I had the opportunity to travel since I was young, thanks to, to my doctor parents. So <laughs> so I think they gave me they gave me the the I've I've always been so super curious, right? Just like many creative people. But they gave me the the bug of travel. They gave me the the yeah the dispassion about like going out to see the world, confront myself with different cultures, different people, with different experiences. So every so as soon as I had an opportunity, literally, it must have been the day after or the week after I, I graduated, I moved to a different country. Uh, when I did that, it was very spontaneous, and I didn't ex it was just England, right? I didn't go far, but. It was very spontaneous and I didn't really plan on going to live there. I just went there and I had a friend. I stayed over at his house and I just never left. <laughs> I actually I actually did live when when I decided, okay, I'm going to go live in Canada. That's when I left England. And then I, I lived in England, Canada, and then I was really bored of the cold. So I decided to go to Mexico. And then from Mexico, I wanted to go to an even more remote place to keep pushing myself to like how where else can I go that is going to be even more different with even more remote ways that is far away from my comfort zone etc so then I moved to the beach town in El Salvador it had internet and it had a house that I could stay at so it was all I needed and then Anyway, this tra these travels and, and meeting a lot of people is also feeding my creativity a lot. It makes me inspired, first of all, like to create. And as a product designer or someone who designs stuff that needs to be used by users or people, it also makes me realize that there's some actual hardware constraint that people have sometimes that we have to take into consideration when we design products. For example, other people in different countries they might not have the latex to to be able to go on the internet with they maybe don't have a, a very good internet connection so when you design websites uh, on webflow it's uh, something that you need to take into consideration that it's not because these people have don't have the latest iphone the latest mac computer or 
4G or whatever that they, you have to shut down the whole part in, of the internet for them. They should still be able to use your your products, the website you make, etc. So knowing that makes you even more conscious of like, actually what it means to create something that is accessible and usable. Yeah, so anyway, all of that to say that living abroad is something that I've, I really enjoy doing. I don't think I'm the kind of person that can stay too long in one place. Yeah, so I'm I'm in France right now. I I came back for my family, but I will definitely move again whenever I I feel the need that I can't I can't stay in one place anymore. And whenever I feel like maybe I'm installing myself in something that is too closed and too whatever I'm feeling like I need inspiration is when I'll leave again, I guess. Ooh, awesome. Okay. So what I heard there is that living in different countries gives you a completely different perspective. You want to push your comfort zone so that your comfort zone gets bigger and bigger as you get more and more comfortable with the uncomfortable. And then you learn to understand how different users are using stuff through just having a wider perspective of the world as well. So it just sounds like a really, really healthy approach to to life and it suits you and it doesn't suit everyone but it suits you and I think that's really important because I think sometimes this whole like digital nomad lifestyle is touted as like this is the best thing ever like laptop on the beach and all of this stuff and and actually yeah actually for anyone who doesn't know you can't use a laptop on the beach even if you're not on, on the actual beach but anywhere close to the beach because the salt will destroy your hardware which is another thing that we don't realize but if you live close to a sea or ocean, the wind with salt in it will destroy your tech and you'll have to buy it again every two years and not everyone can do that. It's actually a really big problem. Yeah. What a what a privileged problem that we, we're like, guys, when you use your Mac laptop on the beach <laughs> when you're uh, digital nomading. No, but not everyone. Just be no, aware. But not everyone is a digital nomad. There are also people who live on who live on the coast in Mexico, in El Salvador, in Guatemala. And they, these people, they may need a laptop because maybe they have a surf shop or a restaurant and they need to post stuff online to let people know that they have this. You know, this is this is this is what I've, we don't really think of these people. We, we, we think we're the only one who have weird problems when we go abroad and we're digital no matter how our life is so uncanny unusual but no for some people it's real life it's not it's not like it's not some it's always first world problems very fair point and an important point to make but if you are a digital nomad listening just be aware that the salt will ruin your tech lucy are you ready to talk about your failures oh yeah oh yeah let's do the therapy let's go so Tell me about failure number one, failing to help yourself before you can help other people. Yeah. So, uh, well, like I said, I was, um, when I when I first founded Positive Impact Studio, I was very drawn to make it a very purposeful business, to make it really aligned with my values. So the, the goal instantly was to work with positive impact businesses. I didn't have a very clear definition of what that would be. I just knew that it it would be related to tech innovation because that's the world I I know best, I guess, in opposition to, I don't know, like yoga teachers or 
restaurants or whatever. So I had a more or less clear idea of what I wanted to do and who I wanted to work with. So I tried to, I tried to go uh, full on into that direction, but I had to, I had to realize very early on that before I can, before I can help people who want to do positive things with, with innovation, I need to eat and pay my rent first. Because a lot of a lot of the people that we usually want to work with in 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 this environment, there might be nonprofits, there might be founders with the same aspirations, the same dreams as us, and usually people who wanted to to really drawn to to do good, they make the same mistake as I'm making as I made, meaning like they refuse work, they refuse jobs, they try to be absolutely always super aligned with their values sometimes meaning cutting out opportunities for themselves or sabotaging themselves so the result of that is that these people myself included we we can be a bit broke or just have a lot of ideas a lot of good intentions but not a lot of money or means to make them happen and As a result, we just can't help anyone because we haven't learned to help ourselves ourselves first. So, so yeah, I guess the the lesson there is don't sabotage yourself and don't refuse opportunities that are coming your way just because you think it's not exactly aligned with, with your vision. Because if you do that, you will create more problems for yourself. And if you have problems in the first place, then how can you... How can you help another person? This is a really interesting point because I feel like when you first start out, you're like told to niche and you're just like, okay, I want to work with positive impact businesses. I want to work with this particular type of person. And if that's the case, then I only want to accept work that's coming in from those people. But when you're first starting out, you might not even get that many opportunities to do work. And as a result, it, you know, you it, it's kind of hard to say no, or at least it's problematic to say no at the start when people are giving you opportunities, because a lot of the time you'll get more work from referrals. So it's not just that job. It's actually that job plus that network that you're saying no to as a result and it's hard to balance like but I don't want to put this on my portfolio so I shouldn't do it versus like I need this money right now so I'm kind of like no but yes like I guess what I'm trying to ask you is at what point should your niche define what jobs you take on or do you think this whole idea of niching is just just kind of problematic and you should just say yes to jobs when they come in if you've got the capacity. But I, I guess it's a this yeah, this endless conversation about niching down on in in the work that we do, right? No, I guess my opinion on it is that a niche is not maybe it's just my opinion. A niche is not really what you do, it's what you say you do at the end of the day. What's more important is to have a to have a vision, to have an objective, to know what you want to be doing, how you want to be doing it, and to make the the, the best effort you can to let people know this is like to manifest, I guess, 
that this is what you want to to do and this is the world that you're passionate about but you got to help yourself before you help others so if if you feel like something is a good opportunity that's coming your way it's uh it's maybe not going to be the fastest route to your objectives but it's going to help you help yourself in the short term then you got to go for the you, you got to I guess extinguish the more present fire, right? And for for a lot of young web floors or young designers in general starting out, the most pressing fire to extinguish is just to pay their rent, right? So at that point, just take the jump. Yeah, I think it's a really important thing you've said. Like, if you don't look after yourself, you're not going to be able to do any work. Like, <laughs> you're not. You're going to need to get a job, just like I did, because. I had exactly and I think we were maybe at the same stage at that point a couple of years ago where I was trying to work with green startups was what I had on my website I was like and I don't know if you can go to the wayback machine and look at my website but it was well one it was horrible it was like green it was green and brown and it was just I was trying to be all like I'm a green guy and I got random people saying hey I want to work with you and I was like no and I had to go, I then got a full-time job working in marketing. But what I'm trying to say is that, and I completely agree with you, Lucy, like you need to take opportunities as they as they come. And you might not have, you know, those jobs might not be jobs that you even put on your portfolio. Yeah, but they're paying your rent. Yeah, yeah, right. You don't have to put everything on your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Like their experience, and if you treat them like experience rather than, oh my god, this has to align with my idea of what I do, then it's a stepping stone to getting closer to to you know receiving you know inbound requests from clients that you really really want to work with. The the way I the way I see it also is that when when you get a client that is not your dream client, you can also sort of use this opportunity to innovate on them, to try new things. So if it's the first time that you want to do, I don't know, uh, value-based pricing, for example, and you don't really want to get that project, maybe you say, okay, I'll try and then see if I get the job, if I if they end up hiring me. If it's, I don't know, if you have never designed that, that thing or another thing why you a new web flow technique that you want to try out maybe this client is the is the one that you're going to experiment on because they deserve all the attention and all the the your your best self to to show up of course for them because they hired you but if you're a little bit unsure or you want to experiment maybe it's the time or or never because because only only good things can come out of it anyway and if the job is not in your opinion, as incredible as it could have been, and maybe you don't have to put it on a portfolio, but always do your absolute best for every single project and client you get, of course. Yeah. I love what you said there, that you can use it to help your career by trying something out, potentially. Like, you know, maybe you can, maybe you've learned some kind of GSAP automation or something and you're like hey this actually fits really well with this project maybe this would be you know something that i can try this out on or whatever um i'd also say as well like i i listened to debbie millman's podcast called design matters and she talks she i remember her speaking to a designer who i've forgotten the name of but this guy worked on coca-cola 
so he he did the adverts for coca-cola and she asked him about you know like does coca-cola like align with your ethics and stuff like it's a sugary drink and it's being aimed at kids and whatever and he was like well if i want to make a change in this world then this is the campaign to do it like this is someone that's not necessarily like you know the company that i think is like the greatest company in the world but i do think that i can hopefully have a really positive impact by by influencing you know how people perceive the product and really push to you know make this company better through responsible advertising etc so i think i don't know i think there's something to be said for you know working with various different people to to help maybe make them see you know what what you see or at least enlighten them that you know there's there's a different way of doing things potentially if that's appropriate or relevant yeah absolutely you can you can work for the big guys and then try to impose your way of seeing world on them so that you can hopefully maybe educate them or be be an advocate for this discourses or speeches that they not might not have heard before or yeah you can also cash it all in and then go work for five different charities to promote healthy eating and help diabetic children can i get an amen but yeah i do think that's it's just an important point so if coca-cola slides into your dms guys and you're like nah thanks mate i'm all right because maybe it doesn't align with your values maybe just consider that i also think this is very linked to money mindset as well and how we look at there's this designer called Joanna Galvao who Lucy and I actually did a did a course of and one of the biggest conversations I had or maybe the most game-changing conversation I had was with her about how I basically associated money with like people I did I was like I don't want to work with or I'm not interested in working with clients with a lot of money I'm I'm interested in working with clients that super align with my ideals at the time right so I was working with trying to work with green green clients like I like I told you about and that was problematic because like Lucy mentioned you know you need to pay your rent you need to you need to live and it's not like all these companies that I was trying to work with had the resources to even pay me anything <laughs> I was like I'll do it for free it's cool and I had this problem with with my mindset about money and and Joanna was like you know money is an enabling thing it allows you to look after your friends and family it allows you to pay your rent <laughs> you don't need to have this like self-imposed I need to struggle mindset with money which I think is quite important to talk about in the same yeah in the same conversation about like trying to align your ideals with your clients yeah right. Okay, you can only you can only pull people up if you elevate yourself first, and and that's true in with your career as well. Like you have to elevate yourself first before you can go back and help other entrepreneurs who are just starting out and who needs guidance. But if you yourself you're in the dark, then how can you help anyone? Tell us about failure number two, Lucy. Making good decisions at the wrong time uh, so the second failure is actually very very linked to the first one um, so of course 
after after I started out positive impact and I first realized, okay, I'm going to need to help myself first. I went on to work for a lot of different types of clients and um, I had a first good year and the second year had a really, really awesome start. I was looking at maybe hiring someone part-time, but like on a on a long-term contract to help me out with the with the client work. I I passed in at certain points of a really important milestone for me that I thought was like a, a pretty defining moment in my success as an entrepreneur. And I was like, man, this is it. This is like success knocking on the door. <laughs> I've made it. Yeah, I've made it. But actually, I didn't make uh, a whole lot, to be honest. The only kind of success that I had is I successfully burnt out myself because I, I, I took on a lot a lot of work at that point. So so what it did is that when I, when I thought everything was going well and then I was heading in the good direction, everything started calming down a little bit after a while. Like I said, all of the clients that I was getting, they were sort of like, you know, getting quieter. So instead of thinking, oh, maybe something is happening, I was like, okay, perfect. It's the perfect time for me to focus on my strategy. I'm going to, I'm going to have this whole like content backlog and hire someone who can kind of be, I don't know. I wanted to hire a coach. I wanted to hire someone to help me out with client work. I wanted someone to make content with me. I wanted to have a whole backlog of articles and like I had this whole bunch of objectives. Uh, that I, I wanted to do to continue building and growing the the business. So that got, that was actually really fun. I really enjoyed doing all of that. And when some kind of new other clients came that were not aligned with my niche, again, I was like, okay, no, it's the time that I'm going to focus on growing the business and, and making content and all that. So I was like, no, not the right time for that. And honestly, they weren't the most interesting projects. So uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a hard no. It was just like, it was like, I'm being picky, but I can, right? So I said no. I said no several times. And then the problem is that at that, at that moment, because of all the work that I've had previously, I was super burnt out. So this whole plan that I made, content backlog, I, I didn't really make a content backlog. I just had a plan to make a content backlog. <laughs> All of that kind of like didn't happen. Like instead of utilizing the the free time that I, I made free time for that by saying no to these clients, but instead of utilizing that time like I meant, I just did nothing because I was feeling really bad. I mean, I didn't do nothing. I did a whole lot of stuff uh, while I was on the beach, but it wasn't related. It wasn't getting. Uh, anything in the right direction in regards to the business. So, so yeah, after a few months, I just had to give a good look at myself in the mirror and said, you haven't had a client in X or of time. You haven't written a single article. You a mess, like nothing is working out. And then the, the whole kind of momentum that I had a few months ago was all gone just because I, just because I made the, the wrong strategic decisions. Uh, again, I think it's, it, it wasn't a bad idea. It was just the wrong moment because because for for that whole plan to work out, I, I would have need to be really started like strong and really believing in myself at that moment. And I also was feeling kind of burned out, not because I worked a lot, but also I had a very difficult client, really horrible ending of that project with that client who didn't want to pay a part of what they owed. 
and they treated they treated some of the people I hired really badly. So I was feeling very vulnerable because I was like, I'm a shit leader, I'm a shit manager, I don't I can't even protect the people who work for me and stuff. So anyway, all of that all of these negative thoughts and burnout and wanting to take a break and all that made me lose a lot of time and it's, it's nothing bad at the end of the day it's just yeah losing time and then it may be kind of having to look at myself in the mirror and say now is the time that you need to go back to almost square one and like go work for like what whatever kind of work you can find just yeah instead of instead of like I wanted moving myself closer to like working for the people I want to wow okay that's a whirlwind let me just say back to you what I heard just so I know exactly what you're saying. So you wanted to build this kind of fuller agency, get a coach, maybe hire a content creator because things were go- things were going well and you were like, okay, we're, get- we're getting an upper level. And then as work started, you know, as you were getting more and more work, you were thinking more and more positively. And then when work started to to slow down a little bit, that was the time when you started saying no to different people, inbound requests, because you were like, you know what, let's take stock. Let's create a backlog of content, etc. And then that didn't quite happen because you were still working on client projects and then your motivation kind of dipped and you were feeling negative thoughts and as a result, you took some time out on the beach <laughs> and and then and then you kind of felt like you were living in an amazing place, but you were feeling kind of low. And then you needed to ask yourself some hard questions and be like, hey, let's decide what direction we're going in and, and get back on track. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. The, the thing I want to stress is that I, I didn't get any, like, client work for a really long period of time so all the cash that I thought I made that I'm going to be able to reinvest in the business basically I just lived off of that for a while and then that I've yeah it just crushed a lot of self-confidence also like about like being able to sustain myself even wondering what the hell I'm doing because like the living abroad digital nomad everything you want is, is great but sometimes when you're in a really a remote place and you you're kind of losing yourself because you lost motivation you, you kind of yeah so it's it's a good sum up I, I just had to make it sound even worse <laughs> <laughs> but it but it is an interesting point because um you know it sounds like being around other um maybe other agency owners or, or other kind of really motivated people in, in an environment might have helped you to be motivated to work on your own business. And then to be suddenly on the beach, you know, I imagine there's campfires, parties, whatever day of the week, you don't really know what day of the week it is. And you're trying to build this business. And then it's like, wait, what? Like, how do I kind of navigate those two worlds that I'm trying to live in? Oh, it was exactly that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate that that must have been quite weird, especially after having worked so hard. And then you're like, I deserve a break. But then you're like, wait, I need to build a business, don't I? Isn't that my dream? Why am I not doing that? And then you're kind of yeah. balancing those thoughts. Yeah, it's, 
yeah, at this point, it's not it's not about do you deserve a break or not. Like everyone deserves a break. That's not the problem. The problem is that if you, I mean, I don't want to encourage this whole like grind, uh, grind. How do you say? Hustle yeah, culture. hustle mentality, yeah. because hustle culture. Because I hate that. I feel, I feel like it's very detrimental. It's just very stupid at the end of the day. But the reality of thing is that if you want to build a business, if you want to be an entrepreneur, and that's really your dream, it is so difficult that you can't be like, oh, I deserve a break. I need to, no, no, no. You need to be able to function, to take care of yourself, to be healthy while also working really hard and making a lot of sacrifices. And it's just the reality of it. It's not that, again, I don't want to encourage people to not look after themselves in order to build an empire, whatever they think. Yeah, no, I think there's there's a balance between working hard and like hustle culture, work all the time, right? Like it's healthy to, you know, work hard in the context of wanting something that is hard to get. Like that, that's, there's a correlation, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that, yeah, you, you disregard eating right, sleeping right, look, like seeing family and friends, right? Like, you, you know, spending time outside, enjoying the sun. Yeah. But, 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 you know, on the other end of the scale, I guess what you're saying is if you, go and live in a beach town it's really hard to motivate yourself to to work hard in the same way is that fair it's possible it's possible but it's a matter of momentum is is that for for my particular case i i had momentum and then all of a sudden i just lo- lost it all because of bad experiences mix of burnout loss of confidence and i just lost that momentum and then i found myself in the worst ever place possible for someone who needs to regain motivation so so yeah it was in in that sense it was a bit a bit difficult it just made me lose time really that's 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 what it was but maybe sometimes things happen for a reason and i needed to be there to live what i lived and it's it's okay yeah and now you've had that experience and now you're sharing that on this podcast which is you know the the great thing about talking about things that you feel didn't go quite right and now you've learned from it so Right. Maybe that's the reason. Tell me about failure number three then, specializing too early. Right. So I feel like I'm just talking about one big failure the whole time. But this one is, it's because it's not about niching down. It's really specializing in terms of like what skills you decide that you want to pursue learning or get better. So I I would define myself as a, a team-shaped, skilled person, which means that as an entrepreneur, I have a lot of different things that I can do. I can do a bit of marketing. I can do a bit of copywriting. I can do, you know, business strategy. I can also obviously do design and and UI, UX and stuff like that. So there's obviously a lot of things I can do. And when it comes to which thing which which of these skills is going to be my my main skill, the one that I really want to exploit, and the one that I, I know I'm good at and and I want to be known for that is sometimes it's not easy to to pick where you're going to put most of your efforts, right? So because my because I I know I have known for for years now that my objective is really not to work just myself and be a really great technical person. I, my objective is I want to and I think I'm more at ease with the role of like coordinator and making things work together having an overview kind of look at things and and connect 
people and and things for, for them to to roll smoothly. For for that reason, for that reason, I decided that I wanted to put most most of my efforts into becoming a better leader, better manager, you know, project manager or people manager, whatever you want. So, but it's not it's not a very easy skill to work on or to teach yourself. Especially, it's not a very easy skill to practice if you don't always have uh, people around to manage or or stuff like that, right? So when I when I found myself in the most the, the lowest time of of my business since I started it, and I had to look at myself and tell and say, okay, how are we gonna make money now? No client stuff, right? So it wasn't the time that I was gonna say I'm a really good manager, but there was nothing to manage, right? So. At that point, I realized the skills that are the easiest to leverage when you desperately need to make some quick cash is actually the technical skills, right? Is can you make a wireframe? Do you actually know how to use Figma? Can you make a, a full website with Webflow? Are you confident enough that you can conceive, design and build a website by yourself? Can you sell that to someone? So all of these skills that I thought I I already know them. I already uh, I don't I don't want to say master them, but I already know enough that I can hire people who are gonna do that for me, and I can focus on on the fun, uh, the the chatting with clients and all that. But I realized it was actually it was actually way too early for me to take that kind of <laughs> of confidence and to say that I didn't I didn't need to to keep working on my technical skills because. Even later on, now when I want to manage more complicated projects with with many more different kinds of designers or like more complicated products, I realize that my sometimes lack of actual technical skills or like coding skills and stuff like that make me unable to do things as well as I could have otherwise do them. So I guess the point here is if you think you if you think you're you you know already that you can focus on like the big stuff. Actually, go back to study some technical things because it is always useful. It's very useful for you yourself as an individual. It's more useful for your team if you have to uh, manage people or if you have to be able to understand a developer when you know when you're having conversations in that context. So yeah. Don't take don't take technical skills for granted. Awesome advice there. So even if you're a webflower that wants to build an agency, don't jump to trying to manage an agency if you haven't, you know, completed the the earlier steps that Lucy's talking about. Like, you know, if you don't have too much work, then it doesn't make sense to necessarily hire someone. And if it doesn't make sense to necessarily hire someone, then it's hard to learn the management skills that, you know, you you are going to need to to build an agency but it's kind of baby steps first like get to grips with the tools that you are actually using and once you've got those in your back pocket you know that probably comes from loads of client work and then you can potentially think about hiring someone and then you can think about potentially getting management experience and and leveling up that part of your skill set is that is that fair lucy Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's just a matter of putting things in the right order. I think I, I think I'm very impatient. I'm extremely actually. Yeah, this is my worst fault probably is that I'm I have no patience at all, especially with myself. 
so sometimes I just want to jump steps or go too fast. But but yeah, I, so I did go back to study a lot of technical skills, and I, I went I went back to uh, being part of other teams and working as a consultant. Sometimes not just doing like management. And I feel more comfortable in that role sometimes, just giving myself a little bit more time to to build up experience. Yeah, awesome. I think life has a funny way of telling us what we need. And, you know, maybe you needed that kind of crash and burn period where, where, where life was just like, no, nope, you're not ready. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go back to basics. So it sounds sounds like a really healthy thing to to realize. But I'm really glad that you are feeling like more motivated now. You seem a lot more grounded than... I think I spoke to you when you were in El Salvador. And I remember thinking, I hope she's okay. Like you sounded like you were having an amazing time. But I was like, are you happy you know when you eat too many too much like candy floss or sweets when you're a kid or maybe you still do but you know when you when you get too much of a good thing and you're just kind of like you make yourself sick because you're eating stuff that you're just like stuff in your face and i kind of feel like the same is true sometimes when you're having like so much fun but you kind of lose your routine like if you go to a music festival and you don't know what day it is. And it's just like, what is going on? Like, this is amazingly fun and stuff. But I'm also just, what is life? <laughs> I feel like if you impose yourself discipline or put yourself, I mean, I don't want to say too obvious stuff, but the more you put yourself outside of your comfort zone and the more you challenge yourself to really difficult things, the more difficult things you can do. I don't, sorry, you can erase that. That's really shit. <laughs> Don't worry, this is, you know, sometimes the most basic things are actually the most important things to say out loud because people don't say them. So I'm going to reiterate that point. If you push yourself to do things outside your comfort zone, your comfort zone grows, which means that you can take on harder and harder things. It's really, really obvious. But if you're feeling stressed, sometimes that's a good thing because that little bit of stress is when you're pushing the edges of your comfort zone. People say stress is bad. I disagree with that. I think some stress is good. There's a healthy amount of stress, which is where you feel like you're learning because you're at the edges of what you know. So not a stupid point at all, Lucy. A very important point. Are you ready for your final question? Your hardest question so far. Not ready. You don't look ready. You look quite scared. That's because I don't know what the question is going to be. <laughs> oh. Okay, Lucy, are you ready? What is your next failure going to be? Oh, I love that one. Oh, God, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, there's, so, <laughs> there's so many. I mean, I'm I'm already currently failing at, at a lot of different stuff. I'm... I started last year to to surf, so I'm right now I'm in the process of learning how to surf. Which for anyone who's listening, if you if you've ever tried surfing, you know it's really difficult. So I, for a while, I was progressing well, and I thought it was going well, and I thought it was getting better. And now that I moved back to France, the waves in the Atlantic are a lot harder than in the Pacific. So 
I'm failing at learning how to surf. I also take on skateboarding for the same reasons because I wanted to be better at surf. So I just surf skate. And then I also really bad at it. So great. There's a lot of things that I'm failing at. And maybe that my next project is I'm going to hopefully not fail too hard at that one. I might renovate a flat soon. So I hope I don't burn down anything or break any walls. Yeah, hopefully that one isn't too hard. Thanks to Lucy for coming on the podcast. And thanks to you lot for listening. The part of the episode that really stood out to me is when Lucy talked about trying to strive to help out, air quotes, the good guys, positive impact businesses, even though that more often than not, they don't necessarily have the money to financially support her. And so she talks about kind of starving herself, not being able to pay the rent, and then actually not really being able to help anyone as a result because you know she's broke and she, you know, she needs to support herself and isn't in the best mental state as well as a result so she talks about the idea of when you're starting out you know you might not necessarily be able to uh, so strictly align the clients that you accept and the niche that you want to work in you know, you might need to accept some projects that aren't quite in alignment with you and what, you know, the type of uh, web flower that you want to be. But that, that those all those projects are powerful steps of learning to help you get to where you want to go and work with the clients that you eventually want to work with, which I think is a really important thing that's not talked about enough. Everyone talks about niching, but actually sometimes you know, you take some projects for money at the start just so that you can uh, pay the rent and uh, get some testimonials and some referrals and then move from there. Next week for episode 55 of the podcast, we'll have Jill Hubrecht on the podcast speaking about award-winning mentalities, dribble and more. Have a great week, Webflanders. Thank you.